This KPCT podcast sponsored by Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior. Get the details on our professional dog trainers program. We develop, certify, and support excellent teachers and trainers. Visit www.karenpryoracademy.com or call 800-472-5425. That's 800-472-5425. I think there's, uh, there was maybe from this person a little question about queuing. And it sounds like maybe they, they, they went to the uh, queuing thing, at least the, the queuing session. Um, I hope they did. But uh, so I hate to have Kathy redo information that she has done, but I'll ask it anyways. Um, do we add a queue as, as we predict when the behavior happened? Do we add the queue as the behavior is happening? Uh, the, the, there wasn't. I think they didn't go, but that's okay. Say what? <laughs> what did you just say? When, when should we add the cue? So it's been a good and long two days, and we get to the end of it successfully, and then you punish me with I'm that sorry. question. <laughs> All right, never mind. I think there's various correct answers. What I said in my presentation is, Great trainers answer this question a little differently, and it's not an either-or, it's a continuum. So I kind of look at it as you've got a behavior that you've given a reinforcement history to. You've captured it or you've shaped it. You've built the behavior, your first job always. Get the behavior to happen, get it some reinforcement. But now you're ready to add your first new cue. I think the question really comes up, if I'm hearing Aaron correctly, which is the better technique to try to take your new cue, banana, and say it right before the dog launches the new behavior or just after the dog has launched the new behavior. So I always use the terms, would you like to use that cue as a predictor or a label? Is the behavior already started? Now, if you're paying attention, which I don't know, I'm not sure I'd be if I were out there at this time, it's a continuum, right? So often when you're predicting a behavior is going to happen, what your eyeballs are really seeing is the very beginning intention movements of the dog, lying down, sneezing, pooping, whatever it is you're going to label. My preference is you push it as early as possible, and I prefer trying to predict. The reasons for that, I think, are because I'd like my cues eventually to engage the animal from inaction into action. I want them to launch behavior. I want them to trigger movement. I'm afraid if you use the cue too often, on top of an already launched and started behavior, that cue is somewhat redundant. And if I did dozens of repetitions that way, in other words, the dog is almost lying down, and just before they hit the ground, I'm going to say down, I'm just not sure that you're not actually running the danger of desensitizing the dog a bit to the information value of that cue. Years ago, Karen used the term the precious cue in a lecture she gave, and it etched in my brain because that's how I want my students to teach, treat their cues. They're precious. They're sacred. I don't want to waste those words or those gestures when they're redundant. I want them to provide important information to the animal. So for my practice, I'm going to try to suggest people use those new cues as predictors. The downside of that is sometimes you will guess wrong. And that's actually a pretty big flaw in clicker training because if you, as you saw in my bizarre video of my being humbled by my dog, when you say sneeze and the dog doesn't, you don't have a lot of options right then, right? <laughs> so you don't want to give your cue 
and guess wrong very often. And if you're predicting, you run the danger of having that flaw a little bit more than the sneeze has already happened and you're saying sneeze. But you see where it doesn't launch the behavior if you're using it as a label? That's as much as I can give you at five o'clock on a Saturday. That's good. Good explanation. Oh, you're very nice. Thank you. You certainly saved my butt on that question. Thank you. You saved me on that question. Thank you. That's exactly what oh, it was. Oh, no, Jesus is going to talk. No, no. Oh. <laughs> no. If I was going to talk, I was going to say, you from me now. Oh, um, I mean, I agree absolutely. I, to me, the cue is a predictor. And once you get the head around the cue, it's just so much easier. And it was, it was with um, when you had the black disc and the white disc on the door in Don't Shoot the Dog. Mm. Yep. And one, if the dog was barking and the white side was showing, the door stayed shut. And if the black side of the disc was showing, the door got opened. And I thought, I got it from there. Mm. But we've done a lot of training more recently for behaviors that are not... Um, single events you know so a dog sitting is a single event um, we were teaching the dogs to mark a thrown article and we started with throwing the article and somebody else had a piece of string on it and made it wiggle yep so now the dog's staring at it and I would use the word mark after the behavior started but the behavior is a continual cycle going forward so if you like the dog was starting to mark several times over and over and over and over again um, I teach the border collies to go around in a circle and I will use the cue as the behavior is already happening. And it, it takes about four occasions, and then I can use the behavior to trigger the event. And that was like, whoa. <laughs> so I was trying to discriminate, when would you put it before? Yeah. And I put it during when it's an ongoing behavior that carries on proceeding. So the dog might be watching me because I'm messing around with a piece of food, and I can say as I'm messing around with the food, I've got a mouse. I've got a mouse. Yeah. And then the food will because he'd watch me because the food's going to move and then the dog's not watching me and I can say, I've got a mouse <laughs> squirrel have you not seen the film Up? <laughs> squirrel <laughs> um, so there, you know, I was surprised how quickly adding a cue, it looked like by association once the continuous event had started locked onto the behaviour very very quickly very quickly indeed and then put it before the behaviour and it triggered it so I'm quite happy to use that technique as well. The, no, what I was going to mention, what I was mentioning is, well, uh, I, I love the way that Alexandra puts it. And also, it, it is a, it's a good lesson for us. It is that not just because we say it, it's just the cue. It's lots of cues. And the way that, uh, that she says is the cues evolve during the shaping process. Even if you are not aware of that, there are some there are specific cues because that animal, you know, has all kinds of behaviors, and and it has to mean so some something has to tell it this is the behavior now, and that evolves during the training. He has, she has uh, in the micro shaping video, she has this wonderful uh, 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 example where she is slouching like this and training the muscles, uh, the front muscles, and then she sits and training the back muscles, and she was just doing that during the training, if he didn't put it before or after, but then she will sit, the muscles of the back, 
will move, she will slouch, the muscles of the front will look, and she wasn't purposely introducing any cue at any time, but that horse knew what part of the body was, was, was relevant to that. So these cues are evolving all the time. Now, maybe when we put the cue, like the verbal cue, Maybe what we're doing is not putting it on the queue for the first time. What we're doing is transferring those cues that are already there to the, to the verbal one. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're putting on cue, we're adding a new cue. A new yeah. cue, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's not a maybe. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's not a maybe. I, I'm absolutely convinced you're right that that's exactly what happens. Some people consciously take it to a next level, and they will take that... that context cue, as, mm. as it were, and then consciously transfer it to a training cue that they'll use while the behavior is in further development, mm -hmm. and then transfer it to a final operational cue when the animal gets into the working environment. Uh, but I, I firmly believe you're absolutely right. You start moving a certain way, setting things up, they know. They, they get know. set up, and they're ready to give you whatever it is that they think is going to make that hairless monkey click and give them stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and the eyes and all kinds of things, yes. Well, did, he, did he just call me a hairless monkey? Not you. No, not, not you. you. Not you. Okay. Not you. I, I, no. I, right, okay. All right. So uh, another way that we use cues, which is a little bit different, is, uh, for instance, if I've got a dog who, um, oh, gosh, let's see, doesn't want to be picked up, okay? Now, I may have to desensitize that a little bit, but it may happen very quickly. But as soon as I get close, I'll say, up, and then pick him up. And it's a predictor because so many of the issues that we have with behavior problems are that they cannot predict what we are going to do, which is scary, which is what makes them anxious. So as soon as we give them control, yes, I said, let's give them control. <laughs> let's give them control to be able to predict what's going to happen in their environment. It decreases the anxiety. So we use a lot of cues in that way to tell them what we're about to do to them. A little Very bit good. different. Okay. Well, I'd like to give uh, uh, everybody who looks tired a great time. I'd like to give all the hairless monkeys a big round of applause. This KPCT podcast sponsored by Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior. Get the details on our professional dog trainers program. We develop, certify, and support excellent teachers and trainers. Visit www.karenpryoracademy.com or call 800-472-5425. That's 800-472-5425.